Hello folks, my name is Victoria Landers and you're listening to the Good Folk Podcast. If you don't know me, I'm the podcast producer here at Good Folk and I'm thrilled to introduce to you today our latest guest, the wonderful John Harrison, a musician based here in North Carolina. From his earliest days drumming in the comas, John has grown into a consummate veteran of the NC scene. Between stints as co-writer and band leader in North Elementary, he's carved out a prolific visual arts portfolio and regularly shows in galleries around the Triangle. As one of the three founders of the collective label Potluck Foundation, he helped shepherd a far-reaching community of musicians who consistently turn out quality releases. If that wasn't enough to keep one person busy, he's also recently taken a swan dive into improvisational electronic music as one half of Tacoma Park. Yet, like some kind of time-warping wizard, John regularly manages to turn out releases as j Fono one both solo and with his pals. It is in these two modes that John Harrison explores his sonic space at once as a solo astronaut galloping on horseback through some stellar landscape and also as a leader of a crew of heady pirates sailing dusty vinyl seas. The solo releases of j Fono one show a tinkier twisting and a warping of the expectations of what a pop song should be. Early j Fono one albums are a head trip of tracks that blend banjar ragas with drum machines and synth-fueled space explorations. Drums and fuzzed out guitars mingle with back porch picking and songs switch past their pop confines into instrumental explorations. Melodies twist and turn through looping loops then dissolve into the ether. At some other times, like on Lot Lolly Boogie, John sheds some of these experimentations and decorations in exchange for air and clarity. Like the titular tree, the songs on Lot Lolly Boogie stand tall and let themselves be swayed by the atmosphere, giving you space to meander among them. The sense of patient exploration is what really ties the j Photo one solo experience together, both on stage and on record. If j Photo one solo is patient and mindful, then records with the band are ecstatic and expansive. With trusty friends by his side, John illuminates and elucidates inside-out songs with distinct riffs and rhythms. The j Photo one band turn up a bit more grit and are less concerned for stylistic constraints. They can vacillate between jazzy passages, Latin-inspired percussion breakdowns, crotty riff rock, and giddy mushroom high hooks. As the band has spent more time playing together, they become more comfortable stretching out their improvisational legs, and on the tracks on Parliament, Rectify Mercy, and Invisible Futures, and Make-Believe Paths reflect this jammy bent. Some songs sprawl well past the five-minute mark and have become their own little world. The length, however, does not come across as indulgent. Instead, it sounds like a group of musicians who trust one another enough to know when to let it ride. Whether live or on album, it is clear that j Fono one band are excited about having fun on their journey as they are about finding their destination. So here's to celebrating that journey, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. in folklore and so that's what I do. That's wonderful. Yeah I study specifically um, like climate change on the southeast coast and how we can use narrative and storytelling as a way to process and reckon with that but in my spare time I run this project which is also a large part of my thesis work. (laughs) I love that though that's wonderful. Yeah very fun Um, and I get to connect with all kinds of cool people such as yourself. So John I think my first question that I have for you if you're okay to go and just get started. Yeah let's do it. Tell me something true about yourself, either in this moment or throughout your life. Oh, my goodness. True. Uh, I exist. I'm here. As as far as I know, that's true. Um, 
I've always been attracted to uh, creating things. Um, that's a true statement. Um, uh, great question. Um, you know, I like to think that, you know, relationships are very important to me. Um, and that's something that's been a focal point my whole life as a kid, sort of a social individual draw off, you know, it's a spectrum, but I draw off the energies of others. So I, um, like to have relationships that, that, that work in that way. I think that's very well said. And where is here for you? Here, I live in Carborough. I have a house here with my wife and cat. Uh, we've lived in this house for about 10 years. Very lucky. Um, I can walk to Weaver Street uh, and around town. Um, but I've lived in Carborough, Chapel Hill area 25-ish years or so. I uh, grew up uh, in Matthews. That's right outside of Charlotte. Then I spent some time in Wilmington where I went to uh, university. And came here around 97. So you're a native North Carolinian, I, I take am. It. I am. I, I've traveled a bunch, and I love to travel, uh, but uh, this North Carolina has always been my home base. And was there anything in particular that kept you in North Carolina or kind of drew you back, or did you ever think about leaving the state? You know, I never really gave it much thought. Um, you know, I think I just, it worked for me. Um, you know, I, everywhere I, I went, again, I had relationships and, and, and friends in a community that uh, I liked, um, that I felt connected to. So I guess in that regard, I never felt the need to leave. That being said, like, you know, I travel a lot because I like to be, um, see other other things and, and, and meet other people. And my friends would move away. I'd love to go visit them. New York's a really obvious example uh, on the East Coast that that happened. You know, a lot of I've been in bands where the band moved up to New York, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that. Um, but uh, uh, you know, I would go visit, and of course, play. You know, playing. You know, in a lot of cities around the U.S., um, you get to visit a lot of places as well. Um, yeah. I also spent some time in New York, and I'm from North Carolina, and have traveled all around. And there's something really special here, especially in the art scene, and by far the music scene, which I do want to talk about your own role um, as a musician and in the music scene. But I think I would love to start, since you are so connected to the Carborough music scene and you've been here a while to watch it change in the ways that it has, how would you describe kind of the Carborough, Chapel Hill, North Carolina music scene and what does it mean to you? Well, I mean, it means, I'll start by, it means everything to me. Like this is what I love to do and this is the area I'm in. So that is the community. That is the, the scene um i think we're very lucky fortunate um it's a lot of creative people doing a lot of creative work um both as musicians or artists or creators but also just the infrastructure uh, such as like you know this podcast or all the radio djs and the local college stations the venues both the uh, diy venues as well as um you know the businesses uh, so it means everything to me. What was the other part of that question? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think that's a perfect answer. Um, the other part of the question was, what are the ways in which you've seen it grow and change oh. in the time that you've been here? 
Or how would, how would you explain it to somebody who is not from Carborough or even from North Carolina? I, you know, I, I'm not sure that it's changed fundamentally at all. Uh, and, and I say that as somebody who, you know, for people who came before me, um, anything that I'm contributing now um, as somebody who can help facilitate things in our community. I learned by watching other people do that. Um, it's not like I invented it or, or any, or, you know, I learned from all the artists and, you know, people who, who did this prior. So I don't think it's changed fundamentally at all. Um, I think it's just been passed around. Um, and I hope that that's a lot of what uh, I'm currently doing. Like, you know, this is something I learned, and I'm just passing it along um, to the best of my ability. And of course, I think every person who gets involved, they they're they're their own unique person. So I think that that's the important part of that is everybody brings what they have in the you know as their own human being <laughs> to 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 the the process, which I think is. The asset. I mean, that's the important part of it. Once you have these ways navigated, um, once you learn sort of the ways to navigate uh, the community, it's sort of what you personally bring to it. I think that's what's unique um, to every you know person who contributes and becomes a part of the music scene or the arts creative scene. It's like we often think of communities as these really important things, and it's we talk about like the music scene, right, or the the way in which this group has kind of changed an area or a genre, but really what it is is it's a bunch of individuals bringing their own unique experiences and perspectives and styles into that scene, and it wouldn't be at all the same without kind of the individual influence, which I think is a very interesting perspective based on a lot of what we talk about on this podcast, which is community, but the idea that at its core, community is individuals. It's just individuals learning how to work together. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more, and and yeah fundamentally the community is just is people and how they communicate and work uh, together um, towards a space that can be uh, afforded for a, you know a myriad of creative uh, situations for people and I think the more people involved and the more uh, unique perspectives the stronger um, that becomes that space that's available for whatever is, is made in the space. It's just having the, the space for that to happen. It's creating and finding the space and then also bringing the people together who, who make it the space. Cause you can, I think you can have all the space you want, but if there's no one who is making it up, then what's the point in some ways? <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair <laughs> enough. You gotta do something with all the space yeah. you've made. <laughs> there are lots of people who just have, have the land and have the space and, and they're not bringing the people out together. So it, it's playing that role of both, kind of the organizer and the artist, which I ramble on all the time in this podcast of how do you do both and how do you be both? And yeah. so many of the people we attract really are, and you are a great example of that. So we'll get into that in a second, but go sure. ahead. No, yeah, no, I think that that's absolutely true. I, I, you know, I, I don't know, like, at least for me, it's not like I, you know, first and foremost, I'm just a, a, somebody who wanted to, to create, you know, be a, you know, be a musician, uh, write songs, uh, play with other musicians you know I also paint and stuff I didn't really think about myself as beyond my own sharing of my 
uh, sort of artistic output. It was more, I mean, but over time you see where there's space and opportunity to, to do more things for a couple reasons. I mean, one would be nobody else is doing it for you. I'm like, you you know, you just got to do it. And then as you learn, sometimes, you know, I've definitely had opportunities where somebody would say like, you know, we can book shows for you or have a booking agent or something. And when I've dabbled with, with that situation, it's like, well, you know, I was really, I can do it better for myself and someone else. And it's not their fault. They just don't know me and I know what I want after you learn some skills, how to navigate within uh, that world, you really, it's hard to find somebody who can do it in, the, in a unique way that you would want it to be done for yourself. How do you navigate finding community when, when you are truly an individual and you make that effort to understand yourself in that way, which is a difficult thing to do. So I commend you for it. How do you navigate then finding the people who are going to be kind of your co-collaborators or finding other people who might be able to understand you in that way? Well, I mean, like being in a band, like from an artistic viewpoint, um, it's just, you know, I, I have to connect. I have to have some sort of relationship with the people that I'm surrounded by that's positive for both of us. You know, and that takes a while to learn. Like, you got to learn what you are and what you want before you can, you know, figure out what works uh, with you and, and in that environment. I think in terms of, you know, working with people like I've, like, for instance, Potluck, the, the record uh, collective, I run with people, they, we just, we're all in bands and wanted to do the same sort of thing. So it's just sort of connecting with folks that you relate to that works. And, and nothing's forever. Like sometimes those time periods are short or sometimes you find collaborators or organizers that you work with for a long time because you've learned each other. It's like any, any relationship, you know. There are people yeah. who are for periods of your life. I think that's a, it's a hard truth, but it's an important one. It is important. It's taken me a long time to understand that, like the different, because again, uh, relationships are important to me. So I'm, I'm always sad when sort of uh, something runs to its end point. Um, but I've also learned that like to be grateful for the time that I had with that situation. Um, yeah, it's a sad, like to your point, yeah, especially if you're somebody like me who values relationships. Um, but, you know, you have to make sure that you're maintaining your mental health and your, you know, what's good for everybody involved. And that doesn't always mean forever. In fact, it would probably be weird if it did. You'd only have space for, you only have space for so many people. So I think, you know, depending on your interests and where you're at in your life and where other people are, when they align up, that's a really magical thing. And, and, and that's just not forever. And that's okay. And I think that extends to all kinds of relationships, right? Um, and especially creative and artistic, like collaborations, which this feels like a good point to transition into your role as both a musician and as an organizer. Um, so I'd love to start, I think, with your work as a musician, and then definitely we'll delve into talking about potluck, which is just an incredible thing that you do. <laughs> um, what was the question? <laughs> I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm so you are sorry. all good. We, we were all just saying when we got on, it's been a very long week. Um, I would love to start since you are both a musician and someone who works and organizes a lot of musicians and, okay. and is kind of a promoter. I think I would love to start with your own role as a musician and how you got started with that and a little bit about your music. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
my earliest memories as a child was listening to uh, a, a, like a transistor radio beside my bed and just was fascinated by all these sounds and things that came from otherworldly places seemingly and i think from then on just uh just attracted to music and 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 sounds i would hear even like you know taping um you know theme songs to tv shows and just whatever wherever there was music and sounds and then um i didn't really grow up like learning an instrument or anything like that but we had a piano in our house and i would just sort of play it um i think i had a couple lessons but they didn't really stick um then uh I wanted to play drums really bad. I was fascinated by drum beats and, and rhythms and things. And um, I had to take a test to join uh, the band, like in sixth grade or something, like in middle school. And I did terrible on the rhythm test and did like great on the melodic test. So they, I couldn't play drums, so I was not happy. But I played trombone. But that was great just to be involved uh, in that way. Um, but by the time I was in high school, like rap music was kind of big, like from my age, like Beastie Boys and Run DMC is like kind of what I grew up with. And I didn't realize at that time that those were like samples and, you know, I didn't know what it was. I just know I liked the drum beats. I didn't realize it was like Led Zeppelin and all this stuff. And, um, so that's really what made me want to play drums is that kind of stuff. And then when I went off. Or in high school, I like sold my baseball cards and bought a drum set and just sort of taught myself how to do all that stuff. Uh, and then, you know, being a drummer, you're playing with a lot of great songwriters and people who are good guitar players and bass players. So that stuff's always sort of around. And, and being a drummer, I was very fortunate to be involved with some songwriters who were very, very good at an early age. and um, you know, you're sitting there playing the songs with them. They're their songs, but you learn how to write songs in that capacity. And then somewhere along the way, I just wanted to create songs. Um, so I kind of got behind behind the drum kit and started writing songs to the best of my ability <laughs> at the time. And still, I guess I'm doing that. Could you tell us a little bit about the music that you make now? All right. Um, so I, I, J Fono One is the probably the thing I do the most now, and that's can be a solo venture, which is it really can be anything I want it to be. Um, uh, you know, a lot of it's acoustic finger style picking um, with a lot of improvisation loops and things, but like on recording. It's not that's a live show recording, uh, can be like field recordings meshed with like drum machine, sort of like lo fi hip hop instrumental type stuff, like all in one album. I, I kind of don't confine myself to um, a type of record, um, I guess. Uh, but it's also a band. This is very, I understand it can be confusing, but um. And that's a, it's also like a rock band. It's currently like a three piece, but there's also like some jam band tendencies towards that stuff. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, 
that's that. Uh, and then um, I have been in what a lot of people would say is like an indie rock band for we're coming up on our 20th year. We're not very active, but we are going into the studio in the next couple of weeks to uh, record another record. And that's called North Elementary. And the band's been around for a while. Uh, and then Friday, well, I don't know when this is coming out, but on the 21st, uh, I play in a duo called Tacoma Park, which is uh, improvisational electronic uh, guitar band with, with my friend Ben Felton. Um, so those are currently the things that are happening musically. <laughs> and how did you find the people that you work with on a lot of these projects? What brought you together? Yeah. Uh, well, JFono One has just, you know, it's a lot, sometimes it's just me, but when I work with other people, they've been people I've been, like some of them were past North Elementary members. Um, other people are just, you know, you've been in the music community for a while. You just have other people you can ask to play with you. Um, that's just the benefit of being in the same area uh, for so long. Um. Ben, who I play in Tacoma Park with, just an old friend, and uh, he was sort of doing what I was doing with the solo J-Phone and one stuff, and we were both independently doing a lot of improvised music, and we wanted to do it together, uh, and it, it just worked. Um, North Elementary is an interesting band. Again, coming up on 20 years, like there's no original members in there now, but the band is currently the people in the band we've been playing together for like 10 years or something like one of the members was in a band that we opened up for or they opened up for us in uh alabama like in the mid 2000s and and she ended up moving up here and and now she's in north elementary i mean just you know it's art and music was a crazy uh world if you're in it long enough and it's seemingly bizarre i think to people on the outside looking in if they get to hear some of these stories because uh, you know you, it's not like something you plan like for this person that you played with you know in the mid-2000s in another band that all of a sudden live in your community and then be in your band you know or not it's not my band but like be in the band with you um I completely agree with it of, I think in a lot of ways, being in the arts asks you to, it's the suspension of disbelief where you really have to just say, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know what this connection is going to be. Might be nothing. Um, but even just getting rid of the idea that it has to be anything and just connecting with people and you never know where it's going to lead. It reminds me of the two things that were coming to mind as you were talking about art is number one, art can be whatever you want it to be, which I think so much of us subscribe to certain styles or genres or scenes. And then we forget that art can be whatever we want it to be. It can change at any point. And also the idea that art is this form of magic and it's almost, you described it when you were a kid as like a, the radio was a portal to another world, right? Art gave you access to something that you didn't previously have access to and to any artist, I think for almost all of us, it's that experience when you're young and you realize this is a, a language that opens up a whole different world. And I want to be a part of that world, which is a really yeah. powerful thing. No, you described my ramblings really concisely. And and and, and you're absolutely right. It, it is it's what they pay of, me for, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they don't pay me. <laughs> Same. Uh, yeah, 
I mean, it, it is, it is, I think one thing that you just said, I think is important. It's like, it's, it has, you, you have to be open and you have to be open to the unknown and you have to be, you know, sort of welcoming of, of not knowing um, how things are going to connect. Um, Cause you know, you know, I definitely subscribe to think everything is connected. But I don't know. You don't always know how or, or, or why. But it's just sort of a feeling. Um. Yeah. yeah. Who you know? Who knows? But I think you have to be open and and um. Geez, I've just had too many experiences uh, with playing music and being around other creative folks that are just. Yeah, I don't know. They seem magical when you look back. When they're, if you're just sort of in the moment of the things, you're just you know navigating by instinct about what where you want to be, what you want to be doing. And then, for instance, playing in all these bands I just described, and even within J Phone One, just having a like crazy bandwidth of like you know jam band to you know American primitive style picking to like field recordings. So lo-fi hip hop, like I mean, it doesn't do great for branding or any of that kind of stuff. But you know, it's just not where my focus is. Um, and I guess my hope is, is that there is just some thread that makes sense when you put a body of work together, because you know, you don't make the same thing over and over. Or I don't. I mean, you know, I don't know how that sounds terrible. Like. To do, you know, to, to do stuff. Um, it's like you want your art to be continually growing on itself, which means you can build on certain themes. But I agree with you. Like, I don't want every book. I'm a writer. I don't want every book I write to sound the exact same or to be the same thing, which I'm glad you bring up the branding piece here, because I think there's so much pressure if you're a young artist, especially in the age of the Internet, to figure out what is it exactly that I'm going to say and how can I just replicate that and brand myself over and over and over? And from what I know of you, you are someone who it seems like escapes that level of branding. And I'm wondering if you have any advice to, to young artists or how to, how to navigate that piece of it. Well, I mean, I can really only speak f for me because um, maybe there is ways that that can be a truth for somebody. I, I just, I don't know that. I mean, especially if commerce enters the picture and stuff. But to your question, for me, I just I can't expect anyone else to get excited about anything I share if I'm not excited about it. So I don't really know where that's going to take me. And my trust isn't usually in or it's never in whatever the outcome of all this is, like an album or a song or even like a decision within a song. Like my trust is in a process and and the process is the part I'm really addicted to and attracted to because that process is the magic for me. And I don't know where it's going to go always, um, but I trust in it. And the more I do it, the more I really lay into it. Because um, to me only, it's whatever I view as satisfying out of all this type of stuff uh, is found in that process. And you know, this might sound weird, but sometimes I'm surprised by what happens when it's time for me to share it with, with people, like an album or a painting or something. I'm like, I'm almost a, a viewer like like they are or, or anybody who, who, who sees it. Like, And again, that's just my 
my story, like my process. Like, you know, I think there's, for as many people as there's are, there's that many ways to do things and to do it legitimately. Like, you know, I don't judge other, I can only speak for, for me. <laughs> I had a professor in college once who told me the best way to make art is to just follow your obsessions and not worry about the end product or where they're going to lead you, but just be in them, which... Yeah, I agree. In my own experience, I'm working on a novel now that's getting ready to go into its like fifth draft, but it started because there was this one tree that I was obsessed with on my drive to work, and then I spiraled down a rabbit hole of that. When you think about things in your life that maybe some of those obsessions are things that inspire you, are there any that come to mind? Well, you brought up trees. I did a whole EP of just, I have trees in my backyard. They're loblolly trees. Okay, so mine is a loblolly, and yeah, that is, I'm, right. I'm writing about a loblolly pine tree god. So, John, we're going to have to talk. All right. the right. Well, listen, well, we can talk on the record. You did, like, you said you need to listen to the J401 EP, Loblolly Boogie. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I re- and and I, I worked with uh, my uh, my friend Kevin Clark, who's a photographer, and in Instead of a, it was a book that came with the CD, and and uh, it's it, it doesn't, I mean, it exists, but you can't get it unless you know somebody or whatever. But um, yeah, when the when the winds come and things in my backyard, they obviously, I mean, they're the coolest trees. They're the and coolest I, trees. I've been Vic is sitting here smiling. I say this all the time, and nobody I appreciates it. No, Everybody loves the I long do. leaf, and I love the loblolly. No, and the loblolly, they're, they're the coolest trees. <laughs> they're so great, and uh, and you know you can they're found on every continent. I mean, I don't know about Antarctica, but like because they they grow so fast. Uh, countries, you know, they were they people use them for like telephone poles, but they just wood in general because they grow so fast. Um, like when I was in Costa Rica, and uh, it's crazy how I many loblolies are there, and it, and I asked about it, and they were just. They and they grow in there. multiple environments. They, I'm working right. right now on a project where there's loblollies yeah. growing up out of the sand on the beach, which is like yeah. mind blowing to me. And we live here in the hills, and they're just everywhere. Yeah, I'm so, like, the, if the loblolly has one fan, it's me and John. So. Yeah, no, I wrote. Uh, you know, the, I mean, the songs aren't about the loblollies, but it's just sort of. Yeah, I'll play it at my book release party one day. We'll have it as background <laughs> music. Yeah, it's it's uh, they're great. So when I look out my backyard and it's winds blowing, they're they're dancing, and I just would call it the boogie. And it just sort of you know like that thought I got obsessed with. I wrote a you know a haiku about it, and like you know all this stuff. Then they turn into this batch of songs, and it's not like the songs are about a hobbly tree, but that's where the process led. And like to me, that is everything. Like that's just an example, but like. That is everything. I mean, you know, and it, it consumed me like in a in a good way. Like I really thought about it, and it makes you appreciate, you know, things. And and for me, it makes me be more, pre, you know, present. You know, just in in, in my own, own life stuff. I lob, I lob I'm just hung up on the lobbies <laughs> here, and I'm so excited to listen to this. But I really love the way that you talk about almost like being consumed by these things that you can't get out of your head and. There's this idea in so much of the art world that you're going to be consumed by your art in a really negative way and that that's often going to lead to, you know, there's the myth that most artists don't end up happy. But the way that you're talking about it is be consumed by your art, but let that lead to intentional practice and paying attention to the world around you and finding community, whether it's with the loblolly trees in your backyard or with the other people who inspire you and who work with you, which I think is a really beautiful way to flip that 
common perception of artistry on its head of, sure, be consumed by your art, like delve into your obsessions left and right, but do it in a way that allows you to live a life with it too. Oh, yeah, more than, I mean, again, I only speak for myself. I mean, other people might have to do more suffering or, or something, but like, no, it, to me, it, 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 it amplifies existing. Um, I get upset, like, you know, blah, blah, this was the thing I'm obsessed, but I, I am constantly wishing for obsessions. You know, I'm just, I want those. I look, I try to create my life so they present themselves uh, always. And at this point, they, they do. Like, I'm endlessly fascinated by existing. <laughs> you know? It's the, I mean, I think that really is the main role of the artist is to, to be fascinated by existence and to take that fascination and put it into a language that can be shared. That's how I think of my role as an artist of like, what are these things that I'm opened up to and that I feel some sort of connection with and how can I make that a connection that I can share it with other people? Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird. You know, I, when I was younger, I, I did stuff cause I, it felt good to write and create, um, you know, it is interesting as I've gotten older, you think about what you're actually sharing and, um, and why, and like your intention. Um, I feel like I certainly have more intention in the work as I get older. Um, and I think that's because I understand myself as a person more as, as I get older. Um, and that's just honoring, you know, just where I'm at through all the phases of being creative. Um, I don't think I was lacking anything in my teens and 20s. You know, you, you only know what you know. You only live like 16, 18 years. What can you know? So, you do, But you still, you might not know why you're attracted to a thing. And that's okay. And you might, you know, I'll go to my grave not completely understanding why I'm attracted to stuff. But that doesn't really matter, understanding. It's just like sort of honoring, honoring that situation. Uh, works well for me and I do like when I get to the point where I can share something an album painting whatever and of course my hope is you know there's a connection to it uh, but I also understand that like it's almost sometimes like you're just like this person connects with it oh they're they're you know they're my people or whatever like it's almost like you you're just it's not like everybody's got to dig it you're just looking for your if you're looking for it, but like you're just you're figuring out like sort of what wavelength, at least in that time, somebody might be with the thing that you're doing. And I find that awesome. Like I still get like excited when somebody buys an album or painting. I'm like, holy cow, like some like somebody wants this in their life, you know, or whatever. Like, you know, I don't, definitely don't take it for granted in any way. No. Only because I'm on the other side of that too. I buy art, I buy music, I love both sides of it um because i want that connection so i feel like having an understanding of it from both sides is uh wonderful actually it's like the craziest feeling in the world especially when you do get to that point of feeling like you really know yourself and making art out of that sharing it and then realizing that other people want to know that version of you um or that might be the most true version of you and other people like want to interact with it 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 still blows my mind that people listen to this podcast and connect <laughs> with it and reach out. And it's, I think all art really is at the end of the day is figuring out what your obsessions are and the things that feel true to you, 
finding a way to communicate them and then just putting it out into the ether and seeing what happens. And most of the time, that often leads to connections beyond what is even imaginable for any of us. Absolutely. I mean, you only have control of so much and, and, and really very little, but you, you can control, you know, what you do and you create and sort of your attitude, you know, how you pro how you intake information and, and, and adjust it in yourself and then process it back out. You have control. You have no, I can't control what, you know, people do or do not connect with stuff. Like, you know, I'm happy when they do and I hope I never hear from them if they don't. <laughs> I love that. You mentioned <laughs> earlier, um, that as you get older, you are kind of uncovering some of the intentions uh, to bring to your work. And I think there's a couple of really important things I want to touch on, which is that number one, the idea that you have to have empathy for your teenage self who maybe didn't know what those intentions were. Like, I can recognize why did I go through all this suffering for all these years for no good reason and also yeah. know that I wouldn't be doing what I am today or the person that I am today had I not been through that. And I think I, I saw a tweet not long ago and it was like, all you want in life is to make your 14-year-old self hate you, but your 12-year-old self like really proud. And that's how <laughs> I try to live my life of like, yeah, teenage, yeah. teenage me would be very confused, but child me would be very happy. And thinking about the intentions that maybe I had an inkling that as a young kid, somehow talked myself out of as a teenager and I'm now kind of uncovering as an adult. But what are some of the intentions that you bring to your work now? It's a tough one. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm actually just trying to have intention. Like, you know, it, it is weird because there's this crafting element to um, doing creative work where, like, I do it every day, whether I want to or not or whatever. And, and I like that. Like, I'm drawn to that. But then there's this, you know, this other part that you're sort of talking about. It's like, well, now, because I realize if I have this, the crafting element mechanism in place, then when I'm, in, you know, have something that I want to have intent with, the mechanism for that to exist is just have it. It's there. So it makes it easier to, like, involve myself with the sort of the, the magic of, whatever is motivating me at the time or whatever I'm into. Um, most of my intention, honestly, is really just to share as much as myself as I can. And I hope to be more vulnerable. Uh, you know, I feel like I've always been an open person, but I really strive to be a more vulnerable person. I think there are some differences. Um, you know, I write, like, for example, lyrics I write or... I don't want to say cryptic, but you know, they're not. I'm not talking about my dog and pickup truck and going to the football game or whatever. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's your thing. But maybe I'm saying something, but then a couple other lines later, it's sort of buried in something else. And like, I, I don't know. I wonder what that's about sometimes and why I can't, why I wouldn't just say a thing. But I don't know. I'm kind of rambling at this point. My intention is to always be present and try to be, you know, honor what, what I'm what I'm feeling and, and I really am trying to be more vulnerable with all my art. Um, and that takes a lot. That takes a lot to do. And sometimes it's just a lot of so much of what we're talking about is just a way to exist as a person. And you happen just to be somebody making art um, or making uh, music. But I guess being present in my own life is sort of 
where I usually land with stuff and whatever artifacts happen in painting and music through that line of thinking is where I spend most of my time. I, I've definitely done interviews and talked to about people. I really am always writing the same, <laughs> the same subject matter, which is just being present. And that's what we're all about here at this podcast. But I completely agree on the difference between being open and being vulnerable. I think that's something that took me a really long time to learn because I would go out into the world and I'd say, well, I'm open. I'm sharing all my truth, right? I'm letting you know all these parts of me. What I wasn't open, I might have been open about that and being open about sharing like suffering and pain and sorrow and all the difficult things, but I certainly wasn't vulnerable enough to actually make any kind of real connections with people out of those or allow myself to be critiqued in any kind of meaningful way. Um, And I think we approach the world where a lot of us are willing to be open, right? We're willing to share, but we're not willing to receive. And that, in my mind, is kind of the difference between being open and being vulnerable is you have to, they have to go hand in hand. Um, And I think in order to find real community and real connection, you have to be willing both to be open enough to share who you are with the world, but also to be vulnerable enough to receive like that kind of love and connection back, which is really, really hard to cultivate, especially in today's in today's world. That's what we are a good folk of. It's believing there are good people out there, but also that I can I can be one of those good people, but there are other people out there too. I, I think they have to go hand in hand. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Being vulnerable is certainly more difficult uh, for me. But I, I have no good I, advice on it. Yeah, no, I, I strive to be I strive to be better because I I think a lot of times art I'm attracted to the vulnerability uh, at least how I interpret it is really on the surface. And I think that's uh, incredible, and I'd like to be capable of making that type of art. And I think I can look at my own life and recognize that the community piece, which is what I felt was lacking for so long, did not come in until I was willing to be as vulnerable as I was willing to be open. Yeah. I mean, the commu- you know, it's so interesting with the community. So it's weird. It almost can just appear by people who are even unplanned almost just like just from people striving to be better artists themselves. Um, they just navigate towards each other and um, it's hard to be disingenuine. And when there is things that, that don't pass muster it becomes pretty obvious once you've tapped into that yourself doesn't mean there shouldn't be space for those for for people or you know to grow and stuff but your tolerance for uh, acceptance of things that aren't in the best interest of your own art and your own community become evident pretty quick to navigate those spaces would you say that you're someone who believes in destiny oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I ask only because uh, I I feel that at my core I think I am and I feel hesitant to say it out loud. But the way you're talking reminds it feels similar to how I think about it in that I like to think it will all fall into place, which doesn't feel all that different from destiny, but the idea of like yeah, I believe there's a destined path for me feels really weird to think about. Yeah. Uh man, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Like uh, uh Again, I think that comes in, yeah, at Dustin. But I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to know about unknown things. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's I actually so, think that's the best part of it, which is that, you know, again, do we have to know? How can I just navigate my life and, and be a right. good person in search of community? And I don't have to answer these big existential questions. I can no. think about them and contemplate them. Sure. 
But who am I? And again, who am I to say I have an answer to it at all? No, no. And I guess when I think about words, like, I mean, I guess I would need that actually defined, but like what, what, you know, that just seems like some preordained sort of thing. Um, And maybe that's true, but yeah, I don't know. Again, it's like I trust in a process. I trust in being attracted to things that excite me and just, I don't know what else to do because everything else is beyond my control um, outside of that. And, you know, I feel like I'm a, at mostly at peace with things, you know, and that process has led me to the feeling I'm currently at um, today. So I'll go with that. Well said. <laughs> would you say you believe that the communities that you work with are people that you would have found no matter what? Or that there's a reason that you all connected somehow? And that's tough. I would, so what I would like, my first reaction is like, well, there would be some versions of that, like, you know, maybe not the exact people. Again, in this area, it's really great. Um, I think people came before me, set up a lot of vibe or like, you know, situations that can facilitate it to continue as long as there are people like you, Vic and me, like that, like, just involve ourselves um on one hand just in your own work but just i think by sharing you're creating the community it's not like somebody has to be the boss or like you know the leader you're just you know yeah we're not a cult (laughs) yeah like i mean we're just we're just talking about things that are exciting us we're getting like to know each other now and we're two artists that have never met outside of this conversation and on one level we're very connected before we even talk. Um, and then through the talking becomes even stronger. And I think, you know, and it's, we're talking about very abstract ideas, which is great. I say it, I think almost every podcast, but more and more I am becoming affirmed in the belief that true community is really about mutual reciprocity and passing it down, which is exactly what you're talking about of artists who did this before opening up the space and artists who are coming in continuing to keep that space open. I do want to talk here, of course, about your work with Potluck. Um, And if you could give maybe a brief description of what Potluck is, and then I want to delve into that a little bit more because I think it's a great example of how you all do this. Uh, So Potluck just – the easiest way to describe it is just a record collective. Um, it can be more. When, I remember when it started, we, you know, it could be anything. We didn't really define it even for five, four or five years. It just was there, and we mostly just were helping put out records. Um, uh, so yeah, it's a record collective here. Um, it's uh, Reed Johnson from the band Schooner, and then Maria Albani for the band Organos. Um, we, and I was in North Elementary at the time. We had all sort of same age, come up through the same channels, like our ba- our respective bands were on. So this is probably, this is like the late 2000s, so there's still record, la- like smaller record labels. Um, I guess there's still smaller ones now. This is sort of, sort of different uh, in terms of, you know, the budgets were a few thousand dollars and this and that. But then the internet and stuff was coming along and it just, you didn't, it, you didn't necessarily need 
the things that you needed, like that I came up with, like in the in the mid '90s and, and early 2000s. Like you really did need like some version of a record label that had some money, so you could get your record distributed and this and that. But around the, you know 2009 or 10, we just realized like all our friends are sort of we don't we're not involved in those labels anymore because we just assume press our own stuff because you just had access to do things. Um, but all our friends are just self-releasing records. And we're like, well, why don't we just do it together? So you had a basically a resource um, for booking tours and how to press up CDs or vinyl and just, you know, it's kind of a place to share those experiences. Um, maybe I explain that? No, that was great. <laughs> In everything I've read about Potluck, um, one thing that made me laugh is the way in which you all are like, well, we're a record label, but we're not really a record label. We're kind of an anti-record yeah. label. We're a community of people. And the way that the media always wants to paint you as a record label. Could you tell us a little bit more about that perspective yeah, and how I you mean, navigate it? Yeah, really, when we started, it really was like, we're going to do art shows. We're going to, you know, writers and just whatever we want. It's kind of what I do with Jay Fun was like, it can be whatever. Uh and, and which again is hard to navigate when you explain it to somebody, <laughs> but you know who cares? Um, and yeah, over time when we you know people are like, well, what's potluck? You know, you eventually have, and people would do interviews and articles would be written. You know, I understand that. Like, I'm not like upset they defined it, <laughs> but it's almost like letting the universe define it. I guess was maybe more interesting to us than it being something because then you, you know once you define something, it's, it's it, on one hand, you've limited what it can do, I guess. Um, yeah, we're a record collective. We help people. I mean, we help people that aren't even, like, on the collective. Like, you know, we, if you ask, like, I, we have, like, a very out-of-date press resource list. And, like, there's, you know, 20 bands on our label that we we just hand it off to. Like, we're not, we're not protective of, of anything. Uh, and it served us well. And people help us. It's, it goes both ways. I mean, there's times when we've had bands or artists on the label that were bigger than the label that helped the label. And then there's times when we certainly were helping uh, bands and artists maybe just get an interview in the indie or something. Like, you know, which to me is like nice, but to them, it's like the first time anybody got to read about them you know outside and they you know i love that like they were they're so happy like you know to have press about the record and they should be it's great and i'm glad we could be part of that process in some way i mean so it's just strength in numbers you know we've i don't think we've ever had a band meeting or a label meeting Please, nobody send demos. We don't really. And it's not because we don't. It's just we have no money. Like, we're not, you know, I don't know. I've got my own stuff to do. I can't read. Like, send an email and, and ask us how I can help you do other things. But, um, you know, I don't know. So one thing, one thing that I read when I was reading um, some of the coverage about Potluck is that the three of you who work together, that you all kind of find and champion your own artists. Um, how do you find those people? Um, Other than, you know, no demos. <laughs> so. Yeah. No. Uh, usually friends of friends. or We've had people, like, reach out. Um, 
And people do send, you know, I'm not really joking about the demo thing, but uh, but we get stuff. I don't think we've ever, like, out of the blue, like, didn't know, it had no connection to something. Like, and maybe this is good, you know, with the podcast, like, just, there's it's friends, to fr- like, the community. Like, somebody gets in our way and, and thinks that we can be helpful. And, you know, hopefully we are, you know, in those times. Uh, friends are friends. You you know you meet a lot of people playing shows and doing stuff. So I don't know. Like we talk about everything. I don't know how any of this happens, but it does. And you just try to be helpful where you can be. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just happens. It just happens. You just got to be doing stuff, and then things happen. <laughs> I think the key is. You have to be willing to take the first step, whether it is starting something like Potluck or you're an artist who is sitting on all this music and hasn't done anything with it. You know, sometimes you just have to take that leap and put it out there. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes like I've, I'll stumble upon something or I'll know somebody and, you know, I will have heard something that they've done and it's not out. And I'm just, I, I mean, I have definitely asked people, hey, can we put this out? You know, and, um, you know. So, I mean, this happens every kind of way. It seems to me the way you describe it that Potluck is kind of at its essence almost like a community and network of support more than anything else. It's just saying, we'll help yeah. you put it out, but also we'll be here for you as it goes out and just to support. as yeah. you And go, going back to what we talked about at the very beginning of as you go about your individual artistic process, we're going to be a network of, and community for you within that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the community aspect, it's just the strength of numbers um, and a wider exposure of, you know, letting as many people you can know that a thing exists, like an album, I mean, because that's all you can do uh, in terms of just helping people. But yeah, again, from booking show to like where people are getting stuff pressed, um, press lists, you know, for people that for publicity and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's not like Reed Marie and I just have all that information. It's, it's, it comes both ways. We get it. Like we used to have this like uh, G doc of uh, these press things and whoever the last band who used it would update it. And it would just get, kind of get, get passed around. Um, it's, it's woefully outdated at this point, but like, you know, there was a time that was like super useful. Uh, and we still do that. I mean, Civic River is like Randy just used it, and you know he's a, he updated. I mean, that was like two months ago. Like, so it still happened. It's like there's something about the way communities pass support on, and there's also something about for young artists who might not know anybody in the arts. It's all. It's like it feels to me. It's like a big sibling kind of role in some ways of we did this thing and we went through it and now we're going to pass it down to you and someone else yeah. is going to add to it and share it. And I think that it's both a great allegory for art, which is like you find the people who inspire you, you make something that inspires someone else. It's like a continual chain reaction, but it is also how community functions. Yeah. I think you described it perfectly, especially now that, you know, Reed, Maria and myself are, are older, you know, again, we were on record labels. Like we were like, it was a different sort of time, but we, did have something to offer, uh, especially younger bands or, or people who were just trying to understand navigating the system. Um, 
it, you know, just how, because it can be so, I mean, I take it for granted. You know, I've had either people do this for me at certain times or I've done it myself. But just be, when you're in it, you, and you're in it for a long time, you just, you naturally have relationships and naturally understand um, how you can do things. And, and, you know, I have to remember, and I want to remember that that's a foreign concept to a lot of people. And especially these days, you don't—I don't know what it'd be so hard to know where to where to start if you're wanting to share things outside of just creating things. I mean, it can be difficult um, to—not difficult to do. It's actually never been easier to do, but it can be difficult to know how to efficiently spend your time doing it. You give people a starting point. Yeah. You don't necessarily give them a map for the journey, but you give them a starting point, which is for a lot of people, the most important step. And a relationship and some support and, and, uh, you know, it feels good. I mean, people did that for me again, like we said at the beginning, like, I, you know, I'm just passing something along that happened uh, for me as well. Like I'm extremely grateful. Um, and I hope that they do that because I love that. I love, making things and doing this and i don't know another way to keep that perpetually happening unless you do share like i'm definitely somebody who's not protective or you know secretive or you know i think more people should just give give away the knowledge they have i've certainly benefited from that from other people when you think of what it is you want to pass down or be kind of remembered for passing down what is that Be creative. Just like, just do what you want. Like, get get into it. Like, just I don't know. Get be creative. Like, really, that's I mean, my whole life is just um, everything good has come from being creative, making things, expressing myself, um, communicating with others, and through that comes relationships and I don't know like people want to be seen and heard and, and I mean just in their own life nothing to do with art like you know and it's just it's a good way to know you get to know yourself and sort of navigate again the fact that you exist because it's weird like you're, you're you know this is all weird um, and you want to find ways to relate to existing um in the way that you exist. And I think, I don't know any other way to do that except to try things, do th- just do things. <laughs> I want to echo and reiterate the line you just said, which is that everything good in my life has come from being creative. And I just feel that so deeply. And I think that's so well put. And I just want to I just want to say it again because it's everything good comes from being creative um, and everything good in, in my life too has come from being creative. So thank you for that. You have listened to the podcast, so I know you know what is coming, but oh I have God. one last question for you. Yeah. And that question is, what do you believe in? Man, uh, love. Perfect. I mean- yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I, I, didn't I don't even need to elaborate if you don't no, want to. <laughs> no, I, I will. Uh, it's, I think, you know, there, you have, you can control so little, but, but you're, you, you can, you can be open to, to loving things. And 
and even work against yourself. Like if you don't know how to feel, like start there. And if you start there, you can get somewhere that you can relate to in a positive way. I hope, you know, um, I, I think through love, you learn how to be grateful, which I think, I think, uh, I think being grateful is everything. I think that's a manifestation of a feeling that, that comes from love. Um, we talked about being present. You know, I think if you can strive to be present in the moments of your life, which is that nobody can do it 100%, but if you can do that, um, it can become habit and it can be almost a default for when you're in certain situations. And then when you're in those situations, you might feel things that are uh, like anger or, or these other things. But if you can quickly navigate to a place of love, you can sort those things out pretty quickly, at least, you know, how, how to process those things. Because that's, you know, you can't control much, but you can control how you take in information, process it, and, and, and give it back out. Uh, I, just, I don't know. It's cliche, but it's not wrong. <laughs> Practice love and find joy. Follow your obsessions and find John on all of social media, but don't send him any demos. <laughs> I know. No, no love there. No love there. <laughs> we love, we have our limits, you know. But John, thank you so much for being here and for this conversation and for everything you do, both as a musician and in passing it forward. I think you will absolutely be remembered for these things you want to pass down. So I just want to thank you for your time and for joining us and being being a good folk out there. Yeah. Being of the good folk out there. I'm I, a gr- I can't grammatically. Hey, well, you know, that's why I write songs. You don't have to write things in any kind of grammatic sense. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. What you, you guys are good folk, and you're, you're doing really wonderful things, and, and thanks for taking your time uh, to talk with me. Uh, I was looking forward to it, and this has been wonderful, and now I have two new friends. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll find you out in the ether there somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> and we'll, I'm sure we'll find you in real life at some point soon. But to all our listeners, wherever you are in the world, have a good day, good night, be good, stay good. <laughs>